we are human beings all interconnected by energy and frequency. This energy and frequency affects our mood, affects the way that the world often works, and whether or not we see things that are positive or negative around us. Today, I sit down once again with my good friend, Laurie Elizabeth, to discuss this type of frequency, this type of energy, and the metaphysical world that is around us, using the experiences that I've had over the past few months. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, go to www.americaoutloud.com, where you can check out work by all of my colleagues and hear the America Out Loud talk radio network on your favorite app store. Just download that app right there or through the website. Today, I am being joined once again by my friend and guest, Laurie Elizabeth. Now, Laurie has her own great podcast that you can listen to called Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth, and that is available on all of your favorite podcast networks as well. And this podcast takes you into the world of the metaphysical, talking about the alternative arts, hearing about people that have great gifts and great talents, and finding out what experiences they've been able to have as a result. And when I started speaking with Laurie a few episodes uh, back when we did it together, it was maybe a couple months ago was our first, and then about a month ago was our second one. I discovered that having conversations with Laurie is very easy. We can cover a gambit of topics rather quickly, and we can kind of get off track into different things, but it's always a meaningful conversation. So I'm looking forward to today's conversation where I discuss a little bit about my experience that I had saging my home that I discussed talked about on Monday, as well as talking a little bit about the metaphysical world and astral projection. I have a story that I wanted to share with Laurie and get some insights back. So without further ado, Laurie Elizabeth, welcome back to America Emboldened. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me back. I really enjoy this. I enjoy this too. This is great. Uh, we're not in the studio together today uh, because of uh, some scheduling conflicts, but that's all right. We're via Zoom and we're looking at one another, and that certainly helps just to have the face-to-face as we go back and forth in this conversation. All right. So I'm not sure if you had an opportunity to listen to the show or hear the story, but I've had a lot of bad things going on in my life, negative things going on in my life, uh, and not just my life, our life, like my wife, my children things just haven't seemed right in the Bolden Casa. Mm -hmm. And many people started asking me, have you saged your home? One of my listeners reached out and said, hey, I was listening to your episode with Laurie Elizabeth. And you mentioned that you had somebody in the home that made you uncomfortable. Have you ever saged your home after having them in your house? And I responded with, no, I've never saged before. I don't even know what I'm doing. Can you walk me through it? And my friend and listener was uh, very uh, kind to walk me through the process. The intent uh, assured me that I could mix in my Christian, Catholic, spiritual prayers 
that I wouldn't be doing the occult when I do so. That was something I was really concerned about. And so I saged my home and boy, oh boy, have things really uh, started to happen as I was doing it. I heard a voice talk back to me at one point down in the basement. And that's where I did the interview with this gentleman. And upstairs, two things fell off shelves. One fell off a shelf, one fell off my nightstand. But the thing that fell off my nightstand was a crystal that a student had given to me as a matter of protection from evil spirits. So I guess what I'm going to get into right now, Laurie, am I experiencing the occult or what am I experiencing according to the guest and who you speak with? You're experiencing a shift in energy, Greg. Um, So do I know why you've had this downturn of luck with quotes around it? Uh, No, I don't. But at the same time, there are a lot of different practices that talk about such things from feng shui to, um, you know, just simple energy understandings and that type of thing. Um, And it's possible. Things change. Okay. Energy shifts. Um, People walk in and bring other energies that compete for space in your space in a negative way. Um, How do you get rid of them? That's a very good question. So in Asia, they they have this practice called feng shui, as I've said before, and there are updates every year because there are certain aspects that take place every year and you need to protect against them. There are remedies for these things and you correct the energy of the home for a lot of months. However, you know, the the serendipitous things that happen, the person that walks in, the bad energy, whatever, um, other people experience the same things. And indigenous cultures for generations, for millennia, have used uh, natural herbs and, and compounds to clear that energy through smoke. Uh, sacred smoke is is well known. And as many as many indigenous have said, you know, we seem to be appropriating their culture by by doing this. I believe it's something that's open to us all. I think that it's something that we should all be looking at as a as a wonderful way of saying, I want to stay positive and my energy is every bit as important as anything else. And so I want anything negative to leave me. Um, so in, in dealing with those energies, it's your intention to clear, your intention to bring in light and to bar negative energy at all. That's, that's really the most important thing. So the smoke is a way of focusing. It's a way of spreading that intention and making a ceremony that focuses it to clear it. Does that help? I, yeah, I believe that I did that pretty well. I was by myself in the home. My mm-hmm. children and wife were up in a different state. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I, I went into every room. I used positive intent, such as prosperity, peace, calmness, tranquility, mm-hmm. love, and light. Mm-hmm. And I kind of said those, and I would do an Our Father, a Hail Mary in each of the rooms. And I'd make some clapping noises because I read that that's kind of what do. I had windows open, moved on you can to also the next use- room. You can also use Tibetan bowls. You can use anything that creates a perfect sound. Yes. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I went through room by room, but I guess what I'm asking, because I I spoke with Chris Michaels, who's a Reiki master. Mm -hmm. And he told me when I told him about this gentleman who had been at my home, he said, you know, there are people that can leave energy behind to observe you. Yep. I've never heard of this before. Now, uh, just to give my listeners a quick background before Laurie and I get into this conversation. I was raised Catholic. And when you're raised Catholic, you're taught 
do not mess with the occult. Don't go there. Don't touch Ouija boards. Don't invite that into your life because it's a very dangerous thing. So I'm a little bit green behind the ears when it comes to dealing with the energies that people could possibly leave behind. But my question for you is this uh, energy that is being claimed that can be left behind and set watch over you or over people. Uh, is that what the Catholic church was uh, referring to way back when, when they said, don't mess with this, or is this a different type of practice? Oh, it's hard to say. Um, listen, everything was evil. Everything, you know, that wasn't of the Catholic church was, was, you know, categorized in different ways. And, you know, I'm not casting aspersions on Catholicism at all. I'm simply stating that they had their ways of explaining things that the general population might understand. Uh, and remembering that they kept most of the knowledge to themselves, um, that was a little difficult. So uh, we have auras, okay? Let's just start there, all right? Which is the energy signature of the body. It, it basically shows your life force and then different colors radiating out about what surrounds you, or what energy, what you put your energy to, what energy comes to you, that type of thing. And I'm oversimplifying to the max right now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we walk into spaces radiating our presence through that energy. We all have energy signatures about us. And so when you deal with an energy vampire, okay, let's take, take that for an example. Um, those are the people that seem to suck the life out of you. You, you come into contact with them and they, they just seem to take your breath away. They take your energy away. And by the time you're done talking with them or interacting with them, as you must, you feel depleted. You don't feel restored. You don't feel anything that's particularly warm about it. In fact, it, you really have to go and restore yourself after such a, such contact. Um, those are the people that you're warned to protect yourself from. You know, you want to make sure that you have light surrounding you and that they don't take that from you. At the same time, those people can walk into a room just like I can walk into a room. And if I've had a a great conversation with somebody and I'm walking into a room filled with people, people gravitate toward you because they love that positive energy and they're, they're drawn to it and they want to know more about you. And it's a wonderful thing. The same thing happens with negative energy to the opposite side. Somebody walks in, you've just had an argument with your spouse or your, your, um, you know, you just fell and, and obviously you're, you're hurting or something to that effect. And you walk in and people just go, Ooh, don't want to get near that. And they will move away from you. And it's been noted in parties and cocktail receptions in uh, audiences and in just general gatherings. You know, this happens all the time. So why can't we leave an energy stamp wherever we are? And let's take that one step further. If you believe that we can do that in the body, as we all are, you can also believe that in spirit, we do the same. So that when we cross over, we can have that energy signature remain and that can also cause an echo or a memory to reverberate. So that is one of those things that we can, we can look at as, as a possible after effect. So it's all dealing with energy and it's all our personal energy and what our intention is with it. That's why smudging works. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about smudging a little bit. Um, the practice of putting the ancient uh, sacred smoke of sage, and then you can make a sign over your uh, threshold, your doorway. I actually went through and I made a sign of the cross on the inside of my doors. Mm -hmm. uh, I had heard 
and you even brought it up, the appropriation side. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I smelled the sage, the first thing that I smelled was the incense smell that I was familiar with in the Catholic church. Sure. It seemed almost like it was identical. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about the smudging process, the saging process, and what Catholics have done traditionally as well. Aren't these all in some way, shape, or form the exact same practice of negative energy and cleansing? Yes. If it's appropriation, it's been happening for centuries. Um, and, and first of all, I think the pure practice is indigenal. I, I really do believe that because it, it comes with pure intention. They use God's grace and gifts to create the best possible atmosphere and environment. So white sage is prevalent all over um, many different areas in, in the Southwest and, and beyond that. Um, as a matter of fact, there seems to be a growing shortage of it because, again, of uh, people doing so much saging. Um, maybe they should look at other things besides just trying to clear air externally and instead clear energy internally, but that's not mine to say. Um, but you can use the white sage, sacred sage. You can also use other things, cedar, uh, mugwort can be done. There are different different um, herbs and um, greenery that can be used for different reasons for smudging. So, you know, as you get down into it, that type of thing. But for general purposes, we'll just talk the white sage. Okay. And that's what I use. I use white sage. Um, yep. Talk about the vampire uh, that steal energy from us. And yeah. some characteristics that people often will say is normally energy vampires are likable people. Like when you first meet them, there's something that draws you to them. And then all of a sudden you find that they talk more about themselves. They have always have some type of drama going on in their lives. And normally in that drama, they're always the victim. They're, uh, normally jealous type of people or pessimistic type of individuals. And as I'm going over this list, there are times where I feel that we all can become energy vampires. There are times in our life where we too can kind of find ourselves in a spot where maybe we're caught up, you know, and that's where I was even thinking, maybe that's where I'm at, right? I'm thinking about this negative energy, total the car, break my ankle, computer breaks, you know, my wife has a death in the family, her car breaks down as soon as I get a car. It's one thing after another. So is there a process for removing negative energy or improving our own tendency to be an energy vampire? Um, What are some things that people can do to help improve them from a self-care standpoint? My go-to is always um, some form of meditation. Okay. Most people go through life in the Western part of the hemispheres in uh, um, their own bubble, their own fog. And very seldom do we understand the concept, concept of centering yourself and grounding yourself. And that can be anything from grounding your purpose or just simply grounding your existence to this earth. Um, so a lot of times, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, but when I get hyper busy, I'm like my, my head feels like it's just about an inch off of my neck and it's kind of on its a 360 swivel that I'm not sure it's controlled. And then you have to really look inward and say, no, I'm going to take this moment. And in, in my practice in Tai Chi, for example, one of the things I do before I even take a step is I center and ground myself feeling that attachment through my feet to the earth 
and then moving from there and using that energy to come up and through my feet. So the same type of idea for centering and grounding. Wherever you are, you put two feet on the floor and you, you make your intention that I am grounded in the earth. And then to clear that, that feeling of um, not being quite attached, um, you have to center yourself and say, come right into your heart center, come right into the solar plexus and say, I'm here. This is where I live and I am centered, I am grounded and I am whole. And remind yourself that it's not the circumstances that are beating up against the framework of your, your body. Uh, it's, it's really the central energy going out from you that's more important. So when you feel self-absorbed, when you feel that your tribulations are overwhelming you and all you're to- doing and talking about is yourself to other people, we all go through that. That's, that's the, the trauma response. That's a, a lot of different things. You don't beat yourself up for it. You just have to re- reorient your thinking. Okay. It's a time to step back and say, you know, this really doesn't feel good. And I notice that I'm chasing people away whenever I walk up. What's that all about? And then if you're honest with yourself, you can actually turn inward and say, yeah, I want to turn this around. Right. I, I find lately I get very uncomfortable around individuals after about five minutes where I'm like, you know what? I want to get away from this individual. And it's not everybody, but I find that maybe I'm coming in contact with more energy vampires than not. Um, There are some people I feel completely at home with. I'll meet a stranger for the first time and be completely 100% comfortable. I could have a conversation forever, but I'll be standing out on a soccer field and a parent will walk up. And after about five minutes of the conversation, I'm kind of on edge. Uh, When I spoke with a good friend that was telling me about this practice, he said, trust that gut. Trust your intuition yes. that when people make you feel that way, that that's really what's going on. Is, is that solid advice as well? Yes. We have intuition for a reason. Um, as I say in my podcast in the prologue of, of episode one, it's, it's we wouldn't have survived as a species if we did not have that higher mind capability, what I call what, what's called the oversoul or the higher self. And it is that which which brings through that prefrontal cortex in the brain that says you're going to get impressions and you're going to get feelings and you're going to know things that you don't you're feeling but you don't know them consciously those are there as warnings and i don't believe that um our predecessors on this earth would have survived without knowing or having a hunch that there was something watching them or if there was you know something to be concerned with back at the camp that sort of thing um so yes Trusting that inner voice, that inner gut, that's your first big message to yourself. But again, if you're getting a slew of them, Greg, you got to ask yourself, what's coming at you? Why? Where is this coming from? And is there anything that you can do to protect yourself? And there is. It's very simple. Um, There's a way to protect. So I was told uh, by the same individual who told me that, hey, you might need some type of exorcism in your room if things are falling off the shelves when you're doing a staging process. Um, and I told him, I said, I just had this feeling like I was being watched. I felt like things were wrong. He goes, yeah, trust that. He goes, here's what I want you to do. He goes, when you're holding the sage, he said, I want you to envision that there's a blue egg around your body that's protecting you. Mm-hmm. And then I want you to envision that the sage is almost like a flashlight. And everywhere you sage, you're bringing the flashlight into that spot 
until you can envision a white light over top your home and everything is cloaked within the white light. And uh, so I, I took his advice. I, I did that practice and I got good sleep later that night as well. So I guess that's a good process there. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I talked about that on Monday, one of my guests, uh, Lefty Lehman, he's a self-proclaimed atheist. He'll listen to this episode. He listens to every episode. Uh, he's a great guy. I mean, I don't have a problem with him being an atheist whatsoever, but mm-hmm. ideologically we're on two different places. And he texted me these words and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase parts of it, but I brought it up. So I, I have the general gist. He says, I'm glad that your sage ceremony made you happy. That's great. But I'm fascinated by the apparent fact that you believe in demons or witchcraft or whatever. And he says, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but I feel that that belief is so far afield. I mean, you believe that there are mysterious forces affecting your world. I compare it to the majority of Americans believing in the idea of angels. I struggle with getting text messages like that from friends and individuals, because I often wonder why people are so closed minded or closed off to the metaphysical world. Why have you found in your conversations people deny what you and I would say is 100% true and real and present? Well, I can't say that I do. Um, what I find is extraordinary in, in my experience of life, especially right now, is more and more people looking at me and saying, oh, I absolutely believe that. Oh, I absolutely understand. I, I, or I've studied that or I'm, I'm learning meditation, whatever. And it's, it's astounding to me the number of people who are stepping up and saying that. Because um, that whole, you know, hippie dawning of the age of Aquarius thing that was poo-pooed there for what the 80s and most of the 90s. Yeah, well, that's when we were starting to come up. And that's when new age started to be born in people's minds. But it's not a new concept, folks. It's been around for a long time. And there are changes happening right now that are making it even more um, to the front of mind for a lot of people. So if I talk to I'll give you a perfect example. I was uh, sitting at um, a local watering joint in, at the beach one time and um, waiting for a table to go get some breakfast and just having a lovely time talking. And then I just turned around and mentioned something to the people behind us and get one of those kind of throwaway conversations. Well, it wasn't throwaway at all. Um, my husband came engrossed in a conversation with a gentleman and I became engrossed in a conversation with the woman. And she was feeling rather sad. And I said, may I ask what, what the problem is? And she had just lost a pet of hers, a very dear pet, and um, something very close to her heart, like a child. And she was going through the, the grief of it, but also saying that she was, she told me, she said, I've been having the weirdest experiences. She's there. I know she is. I feel her jump up on the bed. I feel her. I can see the indentation as she lays next to me. And I'm going, and you're not sleeping, correct? You're not dreaming this. And she goes, nope, I'm not. I'm conscious. I'm awake. And I'm going, okay, well, she is visiting you. And that energy does live on. And she's literally only a, the, the, the blink of an eye away from you. It's just that it's a d- different dimension and you can't touch each other. But you're there. You know you're there. The link is there. And she thought that was fascinating how that energy could survive. I said, it always survives. We are, we are immortal. We are since the beginning of time and we will go to the end of time and we'll start it all over again. You know, it's whatever that creative source wishes for us. And so that type of thing and just a throw, you know, how would I know this conversation was going to take place? This happens to me all the time. 
So mm. I'm interested in your atheist friend who thinks this doesn't happen very often. When and you can walk down the street in New York City. And out of those people, I'll bet you the majority of them would be willing to come and talk about anything from energy fields and energy medicine to ghost, you know, ghostbusters. Come on. That was New York City. Come on. <laughs> right. So <laughs> have you ever looked into Ghostbusters and the amount of truth that's in that script, the original Ghostbusters movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's I think it was uh, what Dan Aykroyd's uncle was uh, somebody who was a, a like genius in the way that he researched um, the occult, researched the ghost level. And I think it was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, it was because Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, they wrote the movie. Yes, um, I got it. I, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm going to get corrected by the Ghostbusters fandom. I'm sure on this. <laughs> but I believe it was uh, Dan Aykroyd's uh, either grandfather or uncle. He was big into this. And so when they were going to do the latest script, Ghostbusters Afterlife, that was one of the big things. They wanted to make sure that the script matched up with what the research had said previously. Now, on my show, I, I just got done on Monday talking about the, the uh, visible and invisible world as part of light energy. Rick Rubin, uh, who's a phenomenal producer, has done basically every album that was successful from 1980 all the way up until modern day. Mm -hmm. uh, he now has a podcast and he had this neurologist on Dr. Jack Cruz. And my friend, Christine sent this over to me and she's like, you got to listen to this. I think it's going to be really up your alley. And it was a two part series. Each was about three hours, but he gets into uh, the brain waves, uh, the neurology behind the fact that everything, our voice is a manifestation of light. That when mm -hmm. we speak, it's not just a sound wave, that it's literally part of the invisible light spectrum that our ears transcode and have speech, which then turned me into this whole thought process about every word that we speak there, therefore matters with the type of light that we put out. Therefore, thoughts, thoughts and meaning behind words, it all matters It all Every thought, word, and deed matters. Um, and, and even Edgar Casey said, thoughts are deeds. You think it, it will become. In the multiverse, that's explained as for everything you decide, for everything you say, there's a track in time created. So that possibility is, it's not even possibility anymore. It, it's really within the mind of the imaginable. Um, to that extent, I was going to tell you what you talked about with light being mm -hmm. part of sound now that to people that seems like a, a, a disconnect right light and sound are two different things well no no they're not um i worked for corning back in my career days and in, in um if you know corning you know that they created the first commercially viable fiber optic cable and when i came in i was going to join the photonics division newly created because it dealt with the science of light down the internet how do we communicate with each other today? Phone lines via fiber optic cable, okay? So you get both vision and sound and all of that. So it's the science of moving light down the internet is all about what you just said, and I get that. Well, that that's another Ghostbusters reference in of itself with the sewers, right? Yeah. Because everything, the negativity ran through the sewers of New York City, mm -hmm. creating, you know, the problems like Ghostbusters 2, I think. I don't think that yeah. was Ghostbusters 1. No, it was Ghostbusters 2. two. Yep. Well, I, I have to, but I have to say this though. It's absolutely true. 
as you think you are. This is not something new. This has been around since the philosophers of Greece and Rome and all those different things. And people have to understand that there is energy behind your words. And what you put in those words becomes reality at some point. You will manifest what you say even faster nowadays than ever before. Look at how time is speeding up. Look at how people are really seeing things that don't, I always tell people, don't worry because you're praying for what you don't want. Because if you stay to that negative side, the universe is going to say, well, apparently you want to experience this. So, hey, here you go. And, and right. let's see how you do with it, right? No, think better. So I was reading the obituary for Ed Ames. Uh, uh, and he died at an advanced age of 95 years old. He was, if anybody remembers this, he, if you go back in the old um, Daniel Boone TV series, he played Mingo, uh, the Indian companion. And he was also a very famous singer of his day. Anyway, so beautiful voice, nice man. And he said in his um, tradition, his grandmother always told him, never say you feel sick. Always say you're healing because nobody's supposed to be sick. You should always be on the healing side and be healed. And just the wisdom of that growing up, and the man lives to 95. I don't know. I think there's a connection there. Uh, there's a great connection there. And I'm going to tell you a story here in the second half of the show. I'll start off with a story about astral projection and healing before okay. a wedding that I was at just a few weeks ago. I can't wait to, to hear your reaction to it and get into that conversation. It's going to be fun. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, make sure you go to www.americaoutloud.com where you can visit all of our sponsors, great companies like Cofix RX, a povidone iodine nasal spray that helps protect you for up to eight hours when you go out in the public from viruses, bacteria, and dust. It's just a great little thing that you can use, help keep you safe and effective, backed by peer-reviewed studies and science. So go on to americaoutloud.com. You can find the Cofix RX link and get a discount just for listening to my show. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth, here on the America Out Loud Network. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all.
Welcome back, Bold American. Second half of the show here with Laurie Elizabeth from Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth. You can find that on all of your favorite podcast networks. We just got done speaking all about uh, the world of saging, the spiritual world, what's seen and unseen, which is right up her alley of what her show is about when she goes and interviews other individuals. And as we were leaving, we talked about the intent. She said that when people are making about, you know, I hope that I get better. I wish that I get better. Instead, it should be the positive. You know, I'm going, I'm healing. I'm going to heal or not even going because that would say that it hasn't happened yet. It has to be present tense. healing. It has to be Mm -hmm. present tense. Correct. And that's where intent is so important. And so uh, about two weeks ago, I had the great opportunity to be the officiant at a former, uh, I was going to say student, but it was like a youth group member, uh, his wedding. And so him and his fiance uh, asked me about a year ago if I would be the officiant. I said, you realize I'm not ordained in any way, shape or form. He said, we don't need you to be ordained. It's in uh, Pennsylvania. They have this law. As long as there's witnesses there and we go through, that's all that needs to happen. I said, okay, I'd be honored to do it. Absolutely. So I'm so excited about three months ago, I start writing what I'm going to say, thinking about, you know, the times that I spent with, with him, uh, thinking about his beautiful fiance, you know, what I know about her, do some research, get so excited. I, I contact them. I'm like, Hey, just a couple questions a week before the wedding, I step on a metal water bottle and I break my ankle. And so I'm in horrible pain. And it's falling up to the point where my toes can't touch the ground. They like permanently raised from the swelling. Mm. And so I went to an ortho. I was told, don't go to a doctor for a week. About the third day, and I was like, nope, I'm going straight to an ortho. We're getting to the bottom of this. And I said to him, I was like, look, um, next week, I'm doing a wedding as an officiant. I need to be on my feet and I need to be walking down that aisle. What can you do for me? And he said, all right, I, I can put you in a walking boot. He said, but here's the deal. I don't want you on your foot. He said, I want as much as possible, put that foot up, put ice on it, the rest method, you know, right, uh, rest, elevation, uh, forget what the other two are. But anyway, it took time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yeah. did it, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, make a long story short, two days before the uh, wedding, I'm in pretty bad shape. I'm able to drive, get my foot slightly, but I'm using my leg. And uh, I'm like, man, this is just not going to be good. And my friend sent me a uh, podcast where they're talking about the metaphysical world of healing. And I think I got to go back to see who it was, but I think it's somebody you've been talking about recently too, Dolores Cannon, who Mm -hmm. my friend is a huge Dolores Cannon fan, which is why she loves when you're on the show now as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dolores Cannon, or maybe one of your guests, I think she was talking about this in the library. they tie together. And so your guest about the library spoke about this temple of healing that she walked into and around there, they know who's not dead because they're tied with cords. Yes. Yes. And so Friday night we had the rehearsal dinner. I wear my walking boot. I hobble up. I'm standing there. It's painful. I'm like, man, tomorrow's going to stink. By the end of the rehearsal dinner, I'm throbbing in pain. But I'm thinking about these words that I listened to the day before about your guest, the Lars Cannon, and this healing temple. And so my wife left for a while, and I decided to do something that I often do that um, might 
freak people out when I say this, but it's something I do. I don't share this ever with anybody. I started doing astral projection, which for different people, it means different things, but I've been doing astral projection ever since I was a child. Um, when it I was natural, yeah, it when, is a when, natural I was, thing. when I was a little kid, I used to tell my parents that there were colors that were dancing around in my room and they would tell me, no, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, no, I can see colors when I'm looking at the wall. I can see patterns moving. When I close my eyes, they become that much more immersed and I can float through them and I can see structures. And I, again, like six years old, I was doing that. It wasn't until I became into my twenties where I found there was websites that can help train you on this to figure out like, you know, how to better see. So when my wife left, I knew I had the room to myself for a little bit. And so I decided to try to focus on getting to a healing place, this place that your guests spoke about, that Dolores Cannon has spoke about. And I feel like I got there. It wasn't vivid. It was kind of a pillars. Um, it wasn't like this huge, magnificent space like I would imagine it to be. And it, it was ethereal. Pretty. It was. It was very. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I put my foot out and I laid on the ground in this temple. And I just was like, my foot is healed. My foot's healed. I'm fine. And uh, my wife came back in. I continued to ice my foot. I ended the meditation. Thought about it a little bit. I was like, all right, uh, it's going to be good. We're going to be good. Woke up the next morning. I didn't put my brace on and I walked to the bathroom and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Took a shower, got out of the shower. I put the air cast on. I was like, I wonder if this thing will fit into a shoe. And I had matching dress shoes. I got it in the shoe. I did that entire wedding without a crutch, without a walking boot, with an air cast. Now, maybe that some people would be like, that's stupid. You have doctor's orders. You have a broken bone. You got a, a sprained ankle, but I wasn't in pain. Now, I've experienced pain since. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had days that are bad, so I'm not uh, healed in the sense of 100% back to to good health by any means. But for that next day where I sent my intent, I was 100% perfectly fine to walk on that foot. And there's no other explanation for it outside of manifestation intent and the opportunity to be healed in an astral projection. Have you talked with individuals that do this level of intent and projection for their bodies. And can you share some other stories? So my, my listeners don't think that I'm being crazy about this. Shamans do this all the time. Um, there are people who are trained in, in the shamanistic tradition and we, you know, back in the day, shamans. Okay. Ooh, medicine man. Um, witch doctor was another good one. Uh, they're neither. They are healers mostly. And they, they, move back and forth in spirit. So they are very accustomed to going into the astral realms and bringing back knowledge as they need it, uh, as you said, from the temples that have the learning and the knowledge if they don't have it themselves. So it is commonplace. I have two of my friends are, are training in um, shamanism. Uh, one is much more deeply involved than the other. She's just getting started. So um, but the ability to do what you did has been, again, this is nothing new under the sun. This is, we're going back to a time where we can connect largely with our true and authentic selves and our own capabilities 
instead of looking outwardly to someone to someone else to to heal us to guide us to do what we inherently already know the answers inside of ourselves okay you just have to trust that and then you if you don't feel that you have um uh, enough to go on you do what you do it, it, it's you sit down you get very quiet and you allow that space and time and learn how to project yourself your 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 spirit self into another dimension and it's literally i don't know if you remember the the old max headroom tv show it was it wasn't on yes. for very long five minutes into the future uh, yeah exactly into with a jittering head well that that whole thing i always imagined it was like just being five inches above where you are just that alone, just that different tune of frequency. It's all vibration. It's all frequency. So you just simply change your frequency and boom, you are in another realm. And it's that simple. It's like turning the dial on a radio. Yes, there are things as a dial on the analog radios. So let's pretend it's analog and not digital. And you turn it and you go in between those spaces. And sometimes you pick up things and sometimes you don't. It doesn't take much of the turn of the knob to hit the next station. It's the same idea. Does that help? Mm. It helps perfectly. Uh, There's a movie that came out with Brad Pitt uh, about 10 years, 15 years ago. The men who talk the goats. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes. So it's it's based on uh, actually a true story, even though it's a comedy, it's based on the true story of what was going on between Russia and the United States defense departments after world war II. They were doing paranormal research. Uh, they were trying to look into parapsychology, which is the study of whether or not we can visualize and see the past, see the future or place ourselves in other, uh, other locations. And so they would often give people targets that they would have them meditate and concentrate on. And this is a form of astral projection in and of itself. It's a little bit different than uh, leaving the body and experiencing something different. Uh, But this is really where you might see something and it's shape almost like a a hazy vision. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could kind of describe it. Maybe you draw it, but what was fascinating and scary about these studies in Russia and the United States, it's about 90% of the time they got it pinpoint accurate. And there are websites that you can test yourself on this. There are now PDF documents that they took through these old trainings that they've declassified through the KGB. And I've done this before. And it was fascinating that I got about 75% of them correct Mm -hmm. that the location that I described was along the same lines. Now I wasn't verbatim, like here's the city that it's in, but if it was a farm structure, I figured out it was a farm structure, which the odds of figuring that out based upon three words that you focus on was that had nothing to do with a farm. That was pretty, pretty crazy to me. Um, I, I just, I'm curious why some I don't want to say all because you just said that you feel that there's a lot more open-minded. I'm still curious why some are so closed off to this, despite the fact that the science has been out there now since the 1950s. It's been declassified for people to understand that, yes, there are individuals that are more in touch with the parapsychic energy that's all around us. Um, the, the Soviets went so far to actually have psychic spies There's a book out out. all about this stuff. Yes. Can I just interject here? Um, Please do. Yeah. um, The book is called Psychic Discoveries. Two women went behind 
went into Russia and all throughout the the uh, block na- Eastern Bloc nations and researched this these capabilities that are being still to this day heavily researched in Russia and elsewhere, in uh, Croatia and all these places. Um, and it's the Bible if you really want to understand this. This has been going on for at least fifty years, and you know, actually, World War II made it even more pronounced because, first of all, Hitler and Himmler had very, very strong um, beliefs in the occult, and um, especially Himmler. Himmler was the one driving it, and uh, he wanted proof positive that these things could go on. And so the Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones and those types of things were not far afield. Um, There were such searches going on, but they were also all kinds of experiments and labs set up to test and, and actually, you know, make sure that people did have these abilities and able to use them for warfare or whatever. Um, so psychic abilities, telekinesis, um, uh, remote viewing is, is a way of looking at clairvoyance, in other words. So all the clairs, uh, clairaudience, all that stuff. So they proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And if you really want to get into it, Psychic Discoveries is the book to start with. Um, it, it's really fascinating how it's all controlled how it's all intended to do that um go ahead which leads me to the conversation of in remote viewing was the word that i was looking for when i said it's not exactly astral projection i should have said it's remote viewing because that's Mm -hmm. what i was talking about it leads me to the conversation of why is it we're so distracted by cell phones computers television news Mm -hmm. cycles and everything else and do they know that if we were left to our own devices, the people at this point in time would have rediscovered their psychic energy, would have rediscovered the uh, abilities that they have naturally. And uh, is it a concerted effort by those around us in the know to keep us from reaching that higher plane? Um, yes, there is that. I'll start with that first. Um Yes, there are many energies afoot that would like to see us not attain. But I don't believe in the concept of evil. I believe in the concept of fear. Everything that you, you know, people who resist, people who don't believe this, that, and the other, it's all based in fear. Okay. We are immortal. There is no destruction of us. And it has been proven through Dolores Cannon uh, as a hypnotic regressionist. She's not a psychic, mm-hmm. not at all but she goes through other people and she puts them into such a deep state and profound hypnosis that she touches the oversoul and she's able to have them stream from their own self-conscious subconscious minds, um, that which they have already lived. So if you're going through a linear time, that's easier to remember. Okay. But yes, there are those that want to consciously stop that because then that means that we're stronger and we're stepping into our own. Each and every one of us is so much more powerful than we believe we are. And we're not so much ever afraid of, of uh, failure as we are of success. So, you know, that type of thing, it's the unknown. And until you can experience that yourself, and we need teachers, we need guides and that type of thing um, that either come to us through other dimensional planes or we meet teachers here on earth whenever the student's ready, the right teacher appears. So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, to your point, you, act, you asked why distractions? What, what's distracting us so much? Hell yes, it's your phone. 
hell yes, it's your TV and our and our insatiable need to be entertained. Um, where are the times where, like you said, you seek the solitude, where you want to, that that cocoon of quiet centeredness to restore you? Because that's what's restorative when you go out from yourself and you experience everybody else's different energies on a city street and they all have cell phones and guys, 5G, really? That's electromagnetic fields bar none. So powerful that we are interfering with each other and you need to wear and have things around you that dissipate those electromagnetic fields that we are constantly being bombarded with. And it's no wonder our minds are turning to jelly half the time. And then we go and seek more of that by sitting in front of computers and cell phones and, you know, every kind of device you can imagine, even in our cars. So um, going out into the middle of a field where there's no phone lines and no cables underground and all that stuff, that is something that is fast diminishing. And, but yet it's the most restorative thing that we can do. Um, And then the last thing is many are, coming back to this idea that I'm talking about. Um, and it's happening even in cities where the, the urban crush is, is terrible. Um, and I think a lot of it is that the, um, there are some sensitive sensitives born in, in certain areas that the suicide rates are going sky high because they can't tolerate the interference with what they're here to try to accomplish. Um, but having said that, there are so many more who are strong, who are staying and who are holding space for more to come in and again, hold that and stay in that awareness that you don't have to be a part of all this energy destruction that's going on around you. In fact, you can be restorative in and of yourself just by being who you are. I feel like I'm not sure if you saw the announcement from Apple uh, the other day, the vision plus goggles that are coming out with. Did you see that? Oh, the new, I, Google, the new Google Glass. Yeah, okay. Well, they have Google Glass. Yeah, I mean, but this is, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's the new version, I guess, so to speak, yep. of augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found quite frightening was they really focused on showing that you could see people's eyes so you could figure out what their focus was. And this really felt dystopian to me. I picture... And even when I was a, a, a young parent, my kids were babies. I was mindful that if my children were looking at me, I didn't want them to see me staring at a screen because I subconsciously felt that would tell them they're not as important as what's in my hand. Well, that's brilliant. That's true. It is now, true. It, it has to be true. It's a message we send. Everything we do, think and say, sends a message to somebody else and right. whether or not we intend it. So being mindful, and that mindful is a key word, of what we think, say, and do, because every thought is a deed, it, it's all connected into what is perceived by another, right? So right. it makes sense that now I see all... Listen, how many times do you walk into a restaurant, walk into a room, and you see every person's face in their phone? And they're supposed to be enjoying a family dinner or um, whatever activity. And at some point, you can't have that far from your from your body. I don't know about you, but I, I want to go back to some landlines every now and again just to be able yeah. to say, eh, can't be reached, eh, whatever. I missed I miss the day when my phone would ring in my home and it would be a regular ring. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you can still do that on your phone, but no thanks. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the no. same. But, uh, yeah, but it's, it's the same idea, though. Yeah. So these goggles, mm-hmm. uh, continuing down this line of Go thought. Ahead. So I'm now imagining. So I, I just got this new car. And it was my fault for not trying the stereo system before I left and purchased it. But I wanted to focus on the driving experience. The stereo wasn't that important to me, but I get in the guy's like, all right, do you want me to help you set it up? And I'm like, I am a technology guy. I got this. And I immediately put my finger on the screen and he goes, oh, this isn't a touch screen. I said, what do you mean? It's not touch screen. It's 2023. How can this not be a touch screen? It's like, you got a controller right here. So I touched the controls and he's like, you'll get used to it. I promise. And I says, I'm still not used to it. I still want the touch screen, but there's a point why I'm saying this. So we've gotten so used. I even have students that come in to use the computers in the room and they touch the, the monitor thinking it's going to do something. And I'm always like, it's not a touch screen kids. Right. But they're it's programmed. We're asking humans to reprogram into augmented reality, to put on these vision goggles where people will be able to see our eyes in a creepy fashion. And then we are going to have an overlay of computer screens and what we're working on. And that seems to be what the overlords at Google and Apple and all these big tech companies would like to see as a vision for the future, Facebook, Meta, whatever they're called nowadays. I am really concerned that when people start taking off those goggles 10 years from now, if that's the path that we go down, that people are going to start expecting screens to pop up in front of them. And when that doesn't happen, that's where a mental decline begins. That's where mental illness will find its way in because people will not be able to live in the real world. They will only be able to live Mm -hmm. in a plugged in world. And I can't imagine what I've born my children into for the future and the identity. What can we do to protect ourselves to make sure that we're having human experiences? We're doing that right now with AI. Um, this whole thing with, with the AI generation and, and um, generational AI, which is um, um, ChatGPT, ChatGPT4. Um, there are resistors. And we're there to resist because it's not necessary to do this. Now, do I hate AI? No, I don't. Um, Is it helpful? It can be. The problem is it will, like most things, you poke the pig long enough and and you put something that's a nice shiny new toy in front of somebody, someone is going to dement it. Someone is going to mess with it and someone's going to say, ooh, I can do bad things with this. And of course, then they learn their own lessons that way. But um, does it have to be? No, it, but it, what is happening is it's that next shiny new toy. Personally, Greg, I think it's a step in, in the direction of screens popping up in front of us. So think Tony Stark in uh, the Marvel Comics universe. He's Iron Man, but he's in his Stark laboratory and the big screens come up in front of him. He's not wearing VR over his eyes. He just says, Jarvis, put it up. And Jarvis puts it up on the ethers right there in front of him so he's got a screen that he can work on with like a whiteboard almost but it looks like clear glass with lines on it or calculations so what we're doing are the incremental steps that are eventually going to lead that to that i believe that in a a heartbeat um so the vr goggles are going to go the way of the google glass and everything else and it's all going to eventually be where we want to be which is those big screens that are not screens in front of us Um, Again, that's an enormous generation of power. 
okay? The communications network is now 5G. That is an enormous amount of power. People don't realize that diseases like neurasthenia gravis, they are all diseases of getting too much electricity in your system. There is such a thing. And that is why many people are deciding to go off grid. And they're not there as preppers. They're not trying to you know, be survivalists, although it does help that. But it's they're there to reground and go back into those things that are indigenous to our continued existence on Earth, really. The right. more we get up into the, the electronics of things, the more we get up and that, that takes power, that takes all of our attention away from things that honestly really matter. Because um, now we're just trying to make more money. Now we're trying to get people into the next shiny new thing. And let's see how much it helps humankind. You know, if it helps me to find new cures for diseases, um, great. If it helps me to help people become more mindful about their daily lives, great. Let's do that. Um, if it instead distracts the heck out of me from having to have a conversation with my husband, my child, uh, or my you know, relatives across the country, then there's a problem. And I see that happening now. Yeah, I, one of the things you just brought up about, you know, does it help us be more healthy? You know, I, I have an Apple watch on right now. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, my Apple watch will remind me to take a deep breath and to center myself. Mm-hmm. And certainly that's not a, a bad thing, except nope. for at the keynote that Apple stated for their newest update, they're creating a mental health journal. And they made a point of telling everybody, don't worry, it's encrypted as all things with Apple. We take your security and your safety you know, extremely. You only share with those that you explicitly wish to share with. And I can't help but think as I hear them say those words and I see where they're going, but this isn't a true looking out for our health. This is a true looking out for your mental stability. This is big brother gathering information It is because every time I do a mindful minute, it's recorded. Every mm-hmm. time I check my, you know, pulse, it's recorded. Mm-hmm. My steps, the length of them, how long it takes me to get up and down the stairs, mm-hmm. whether or not I'm walking in rhythm, all of that yep. data is now being collected. And I just don't believe in the altruistic care of a corporation like Apple, especially being owned by BlackRock at 16% of their shares. It's just too many big hands that are trying to influence the world that I just don't see. exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. So why should we go along with their new shiny toys? I'm standing up and telling people, think for yourselves. Don't grab the next shiny new object. What are they trying to accomplish and why? They're never going to tell you. But Meta is doing this right now. They're, they're constantly fighting with people who are saying, you have my information in your database. Google's been fighting this for years. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, they do. And you don't know who can hack. Who, it may be encrypted and it's not a question of hacking. There are people there in the mind trust that created Google and the mind trust that created Apple and all of these different places. They got you. They have so got you. Just like um, if you really want to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, um, many people say never give blood because they're going to have your DNA on file. And that's, that's exactly what they're doing, regardless of what they say. And that's what, it, what it's all about. I'm going, you know what? I've seen too many lives saved by a pint of blood, so I'm still going to give it. And if they have my DNA, what the hell? Have it. I don't every, care. Everybody has your DNA at this point in time. Everybody given, does. 
blood in any way, shape, or form for a test, your DNA has already been logged. That, oh, I'm, God, I'm yes. 100% positive. From your first blood test as a kid, you know, that type of thing. So, and, and vaccines, well, you know, I, I'm not going to get into vaccine or anti-vaccine. That's not my bailiwick. But at the same time, do you seriously think they don't have a clue? You know, right. if, it's, if it's to be, it's to be. I just don't think I have to go down that path. And we don't. And that's my key. I don't want to upgrade my phone to 5G. Um, as long as they support 4G, I'm there. Um, but at the same time, I don't have to go for the next new shiny object in electronics. I don't need virtual reality. I have enough time dealing with my own reality. Thank you. I don't need to create more. Um, and if I have an avatar, oh dear God, that could be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I would be winging it, boy. Um, so, so all of these different distractions, um, are just that. Look, pay attention over here because you don't know what I'm doing on my left hand. You know, my right. right hand is up saying, hi, how are you doing this? And the other, what, what's happening on the left side? And that is what magic is supposedly based on in, in like the David Copperfields and the magic shows that you see in Las Vegas. It's all built on distraction. My question is, what in the hell are they doing? Right. Well, the, the latest thing right now is uh, a gentleman came out two days ago. And he's a whistleblower. He -hmm. states that he has given the documents to Congress that the United States has collected uh, alien spacecraft and been reverse engineering it, trying to put it back together, has recovered pilots Mm -hmm. and has held this information from the Pentagon at the highest levels that it's been secret. And he wanted to blow the whistle on it. And when they did the research on this guy, everything checks out. Mm -hmm. This guy has top security clearance. Um, and he's like, yeah, people deserve to know at this point in time that we're not alone. That's why they're coming out with it now, Greg, they can't hide it anymore. And they're coming from all the different dimensions. There's interdimensional travel and there's extraterrestrial travel. They're all here. They're watching us. Why? Because we're hitting a very, very, very important point of transition. And there's going to be massive changes in this world right now. They're already precipitated. We're already seeing them. Um, and if you're aware, then you'll notice that all the UFO activity picks up and everybody's going back to Roswell and it's saying, so it started there. No, actually it started a lot sooner than that, but a, a lot earlier right. than that. So um, that was when it first became seen. And if you move in the circles that I've been in and, and all those different things, you understand that we do have extraterrestrials that are working with our government, even as we speak, and they are protective more than anything else. Um, there are some that are questionable, but you know, Hey, I I've heard on several occasions, I actually saw a video of one, um, where it talks about secret service, having extraterrestrials protecting the president and that presidents have been protected now, uh, by, um, extraterrestrial life, uh, for a few decades. That's Mm -hmm. not something new. And there are people who've met a few of these individuals that talked about and people go that's a crazy conspiracy theory but now the photos are coming out these individuals don't have the regular build they don't quite look right do they no they look just a little bit different than you and i look they look enough like you and i Mm -hmm. that yeah they're a human that maybe just looks a little bit funny yep but it's still a very interesting thing my mother has always stated to me she goes gregory aliens exist and they look just like you and i and they do they're shapeshifters absolutely 
And I, I spoke with the MUFON network a while back and this guy told me, he's like, yeah, we know. And I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember how many, but he said like they knew of 17 different species of aliens at this time. Yeah. And I was like, really? And he's like, oh yeah, like we've researched it and we're, we've got it down to these 17. He went through the whole list. Mm-hmm. And the only one that I heard that I was like, okay, I don't believe that was the reptilians because mm-hmm. I, I, they said, why don't you believe in reptilians? I said, because there's this guy, David Icke. And this guy's made millions of dollars off of this and profited off of it. And it, to me, it seems like a fairy tale that was just successful. And they told me, they're like, it's not about David Icke. David Icke knows what we know. And I'm like, really? Um, but, you know, and this stuff I don't normally talk about on my show because I'm sure people are going to hear this and be freaked out and be like, okay, where's Greg going on the show today? But all people I think have to do is look for the books. Mind. Look for yeah. the books. Um, Dolores Cannon writes about all this, all this stuff. She has um, an entire area where she did a lot of UFO research. And because she was able to hypnotize those who have been abducted, um, she was able to find real, real stories that she was able to verify because she's a researcher. Um, that's just part of the, that, the top of it. Um, but there are books all over the place. Um, there's one book that I read early on. Everything, everything in this book is false but it's exactly how things are. Hmm. It's the I best I've heard of book. that one before. It's yeah. the best book. It talks about the Manhattan Project. It talks about all of these different weird things that we go along in our lives like a television show, okay? What you see is on this flat two-dimensional screen and, and you just think that that's reality, okay? And we ground ourselves in that reality when we get up and we have our coffee in the morning and we, we let the dog out and we bring the cat in or whatever, okay? Um, thinking Flintstones type things. But at the end of the day, think about it. When you're watching that movie and the scene changes and what's going on behind the scenes, nobody had a clue that this was going on. And you couldn't possibly believe that that was going to happen. And yet it was happening and it was part of the plot. You think that doesn't happen in real life? Where do you think the writers get it from? There is stuff going on that we, on a day-to-day basis, are not aware of for good reason in the eyes of a government or a governing body. Because it would cause panic, because we're not versed or educated in things, as perhaps we should be. And there's a whole lot of change that has to happen before we can accept much of anything. But there's a whole new group of us that are much more aware, that are saying, don't put that wool over my eyes. It's not going to work out well because I already know this, 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 and this. And it's all connected. It's all Mm -hmm. interconnected. Um, So if you understand just the basics of as you think you are and look behind the curtain and you just be aware, energy, frequency, can all be tweaked, can all be changed. And if you just turn that dial a little tiny bit, you can be in another dimension and you never even know it. I've often joked with my wife and said that on March 13th, we, we entered a portal and we all moved into a completely different dimension during COVID, that the shutdown was us as a society uh, worldwide making a movement. And that's one thing that I'm not sure you could convince me of otherwise. Uh, my well, wife and I both are pretty, uh, pretty much, uh, we, we believe that that is true in some way, shape or form. <laughs> yeah. And that was all about fear and control. Yep. 
fear and control. And it worked. I mean, we taught children that if they breathe on somebody, they would kill them. So, uh, you know, when the reality is the masks that we wore were not sufficient because the virus was a hundred times smaller than the fiber of your mask. There's still people that don't understand that. And to me, they're the true science deniers. Right. You know, they, they, they called me the science denier back then when I said, you know, why are you wearing a mask? This thing is microcrons is so much smaller. You look at uh, all the uh, respiratory experts that are talking about what type of mask that you would actually need to wear in order to present, prevent yourself from these micro microcrons of disease. And, Can you show uh, me an actual picture of a virus? <laughs> Can you show me the coronavirus? <laughs> no, what you saw every time were pictures drawn by someone's imagination. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's yet to still be put out there. And I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm trusting the science. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I, I'm just watching. I'm, obser- I'm observing. Um, yeah. Everybody I've has discovered, Yeah, I've discovered that society can be easily manipulated. Yep. Um, much more uh, concerning at a level of how quickly they can be manipulated than I ever thought would be possible. And uh, my eyes are wide open. I know that my show has plenty of listeners with eyes wide open. It sounds like Mm -hmm. you do as well. And uh, we're going to need more people like us to stay awake versus the people that go, Oh, government, thank you for telling me the truth. Oh, government, thank you for taking care of me. Um, Yeah, no, that's not going to, that that's never the way it works. And Oh, by the way, it's not, we're already awake. We need to call out the clarion call for others to awaken. Others to awaken, yes. Because right. we're on the precipice of that massive awakening. And we need them to gently come to awareness and partner with that energy rising and holding that light. Become a light worker. You'd be surprised. It's very powerful. All you have to do is just imagine it. And for protection against those, those energy vampires. And even when you want to walk into a party and have a great time and that type of thing, there are ways to protect yourself with just imagining yourself and those that you love who are with you or whatever, from your house to your neighborhood, to the entire planet, to the galaxy. It doesn't matter how big you make this bubble, but make it of pure white light and imagine yourself in the center of it, protected always by it. And that you'd be surprised can just have all that negative stuff bounce right off of you. Laurie, that sounds like a wonderful spot to end because that was beautifully put and well stated at the end there. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not going not gonna to go any further. This has been an awesome conversation, as it always is with you. We, we are able to span a lot of topics in a short amount of time, but keep it concise at the same time. Um, I don't know how back, we do that, but we do. <laughs> but we do, and we, we don't get too lost along the way. We have a roadmap, and it seems to get us where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully, listeners, you, you've had an opportunity at this point to hear a little bit of astral projection. You've heard a little bit about energy vampires saging the experience. You heard a little bit about intent from it's Laurie an here. World. It is. There's a complete alternate world that is the unseen world. And if you want to hear more about that unseen world, I invite you to go to the weekly episodes from Seekers Insights with Laurie Elizabeth, my guest today. Uh, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Find out more about the practitioners in this world that are uh, experiencing the paranormal, the parapsychological, uh, the talents that they have that are different, maybe what you have. So that way, if you're a little bit closed minded towards this, maybe it will open your mind towards endless possibilities. Uh, Laurie, have you, have you started the uh, Twitter page yet? Have you, have you gotten yourself on there? Are we still not on Twitter yet? 
I'm not on Twitter yet. Um, I'm currently working on a website, so that's taking okay. priority. Uh, once that's done, yes, then I will be back in the Twitterverse and I will have a new entity called Seekers Insights out there. All right. Excellent. So until then, uh, just go check out the podcast and we'll get that website up hopefully soon for everybody. I have a I know ton of content. So if you're on the website, I mean, if you're on the, um, the podcast, uh, there are plenty of things to cover there for a while and keep you busy until I get out there with my website. All right. I just know there's p- people that would love to reach out to you and touch base with you to have conversations okay. that are listening to my show. So I just want to be able to get them in touch with you at some point in time here. So once we have that, I'll, I'll publish that out and make sure that people can contact you. Sure. I, and until then, you can get me at re- seekersinsights at gmail.com. Oh, perfect. Seekersinsights at gmail.com. Laurie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for once again, being gracious with your time and being a guest on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Greg. All right, everybody. We hope that we honored your time well, as always here on America Emboldened. It's been fun. We've covered a ton of different things. I'm actually looking forward to listening back to this show just to hear the gambit of everything. If you have comments, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at RealGregBolden. Uh, my direct messages are always open or Greg at AmericaEmboldened.com, where you can reach out to me uh, to let me know what you thought of today's episode. What questions would you like me to ask Laurie on the next show? I'd be happy to uh, pass those over for you as well. I'll see you tomorrow when we come back with my good friend, Chris Michaels, for our Friday recap of all of the news. And we kind of make fun of it and have fun at their expense along the way. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden, my special guest, Laurie Elizabeth, here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. 